So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast coming at you. You've got Archie, Toby and Leo here. And we've got a bit of news coming from around the world. We've got another round of results from the Six Nations up north. Bit of news out of South Africa and obviously Super Rugby AU starting off this weekend. Before we get into it, boys, I do want to remind you uh, to follow us on our socials on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. That's where you'll see the latest in terms of news and team lineups coming. But boys, another round of the Six Nations. We didn't really talk about this uh, last week or do any picks. It must have slipped down the mind. It was a long one last one. England bounce back, take down Italy as expected, 41-18. Uh, close fought one up there in Murrayfield. Scotland going down by one to Wales, 24-25. And another uh, match marred by a red card to Scotland. So Wales getting the benefit of a couple of games against 14 men and Ireland going down at home to France 15 to 13 out there at Aviva in Dublin so France remain on top England are coming back with a bone winning bonus point there but it's all sort of a bit murky in the middle there between Ireland Wales and Scotland isn't it yeah there always feels like there's this middle of the pack group like every year there's a few nations maybe two or three that it's the same storyline it's you know, you can put a bit of um, history or context around it, but essentially it's the same narrative. These are teams which have a bunch of skillful players and things aren't quite working out for them. And it's always just, you know, that have they had enough time together or, you know, are they missing one key player? It, it, it doesn't feel like it really gets to the heart of it, particularly when you try and draw the narrative out over multiple seasons. It's It just feels very, you know, six weeks or five weeks and, and done. Um and I think for the last few years that has been like the Wales and the Ireland, Ireland coming off their their peak the year before the World Cup in uh, 2018, thinking wow these guys are going to you know destroy everyone, and then they've just been sliding since. Scotland on the rebuild, but they're always on the rebuild, and they always just kind of peak a little bit uh, below where you'd like them to. And Wales, just the injury stories is just always someone key missing for Wales, and they they falter. Uh, as a result, so I know it's like I, I like I like that we have you know something in France to to be excited about, and then someone reasonably consistent in England, um, or at least you know when they drop the odd game that's unexpected, there's a big fight back and pressure on the next team. And unfortunately, um, Italy copped the brunt of that this week, didn't they? Yeah, and that's it. It's just a typical story, isn't it? Italy getting absolutely battered again, and. Again, calls for for there to be some sort of relegation system to give other nations an opportunity to play in the Six Nations. And you've got to think it's going to come to a point where that will happen because Italy have been so poor for the last five or ten years. And it it kind of is... It's just a given for any other team that's going to play them that they'll get a win that week. Um, and that doesn't happen in, say, the Rugby Championship. The, the Pumas started off a little bit like that, maybe, in the in the infancy when they joined, but 
at the moment we see that they they're much improved and um, had a great year last year. And I think to shake up the Six Nations a little bit would be a good thing. I think it'd be probably too hard to bring someone like Japan in, although I think that they were thinking that way with their experimentation with the Autumn Nations Cup and having a look at their other, I guess, other opponents out there that could be added. But I think it just it needs there needs to be reinvigoration in Italian rugby and despite there being two teams there in the Pro 14, um, yeah, it really hasn't, they really haven't come um, along at all, really, in the last decade or so. And they, need, they do need a refresh. I can understand that as much as they're an easy beat, it, like every other team, the other five get a win on the board pretty consistently. Um, and, you know, it's another game which is more more rights, more broadcast, you know, more scale of broadcast deals. I wonder what would happen if instead of just sticking with Italy, it became like almost like a sixth sixth team is like an invitational. And so you just like, because it might not always be appropriate that it's Georgia or Japan or Fiji or imagine if they left it open. I don't think this would ever happen, but I think it's interesting exercise. You look at the rankings and you say, okay, well, we've got four teams tied up in the rugby championship. So they're all out. But beyond that, who's the next best couple of teams and can we work them in? And so Italy fall away, but you bring someone else in and it's a new team. It's unknown how they'll fare against these Northern Hemisphere um, teams that, you know, again, similar storylines every year. that They don't change character dramatically year to year. Uh, I think think just tradition gets in the way. It's a bit of dark. Yeah, of course. And that's why it won't happen because it's harder to plan for and it's, it's, you know, it's... Your, your Six Nations logo mm. changes all the time. It's got a big question mark in one corner. Like, but it's an interesting idea that you could you could throw someone in the mix who's, you know, ha- we haven't had years of preparation. We don't know the coaches that well. We don't know what the outcome of these two styles of rugby might be if it was Japan, if it was Georgia, if it was Fiji, if it was, you know, next cab off the rank. And probably Japan is the most attractive one out of all of them because of the revenue that flows through that country and, and into rugby at the moment. And that's why I think the rugby championship particularly should be looking at opportunities to bring, say, Japan in if they can. Because um, the improvement before, in the, the way they play... Before Six Nations gets on that. Mm. Before someone else pounces on yeah. it. Because I think even in the US at the moment, there's a lot of interest around rugby. And mm. there could be an Asia-America kind of competition being formed or, or something like that. There just needs to be, I think... The, the rugby championship has an opportunity to think differently and we're not stuck too much in tradition. I think it would be a shame to lose someone like the Springboks if they were to go north, but I mm. think if we can retain the four nations we have at the moment and just add to that, maybe get to five or six teams, I think that would be ideal. Mm. Other news around the world. Um, I mean, South Africa Super Rugby is still happening for them. Um, I'm not quite sure if it is called Super Rugby Unlocked or what the competition will be called this year, but um, Sia Khaleesi's Springboks captain has cut ties with the Stormers. Uh, initially, I was thought of this, and I thought this was another South African going to move to the Northern Hemisphere, but no, looks like he's signed on with the Sharks, uh, who made the news earlier in the year um, by being acquired by a uh, New York um, owner, now owning 51%, so... As you said, Toby, increasing interest um, from the states coming into Super Rugby as well. Speaking of players leaving, though, back over in Australia, uh, probably 
I think we were a little bit sad to see Jack Dempsey is looking to is look to sign on with Glasgow Warriors um, from next year or even the end of this year. It sounds like uh, he'll be leaving the Waratahs to head up there on what looks like to be a two-year deal, which uh, effectively uh, cuts down his chances quite a lot uh, for making a fifteenth uh, appearance for the Wallabies this year. And he missed selection last year, didn't he? To refresh my memory. Which we were surprised at, and Swinton came on the scene and kind of took a lot of the attention at that blind side or yeah blind side role for the Waratahs and and pipped Dempsey. So maybe that was a reaction to that from Rennie. Maybe Rennie's talked to him about his chances for this year and he's made a decision on on the back of that. But yeah, it is a shame because he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but we know he does have a lot of potential. It, yeah. And it- it's it's disappointing. He's, I don't think he's ever quite captured the form he had before his injury against the Barbarians years ago. Um, and maybe he's had some conversations which lead him to think that he's he's not really in their in their um, view for the War- Wallabies. But you know, you got guys like Hannigan who was playing in the back row and featuring in the Wallabies regularly by the end of last year, who aren't going to be there again this year unless they're one of these special drafted in guys so there's there's vacancies kind of appearing and additionally the Waratahs are in dire need of some senior leaders and you know a bit of roster consistency they can't rebuild at every position all at once and admittedly back row maybe they have a few more guys to pick from but this is the sort of opportunity someone like Dempsey I would have expected would would be uh, seeking and 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 really kind of excited about because no one's really a lock. You're one of the senior guys. You've been there a number of mm. years, and if you can recapture your form and become one of the you know the three names that every rugby household knows plays for the Waratahs and is pushing for selection, leadership group, like you're setting yourself up reasonably well. And without without him following this year, we get Hooper back, and where we've got. Um, so Will Will Harris and yeah. um, Carlo Tizano and um, like well, and Lockie Swinton. So there's some good talent there. To be, yeah, to be honest, though, I would have thought Dempsey would have had his name up there for a potential captain for the Waratahs coming into this year. I would have thought. Well, maybe that's it too. Yeah, maybe Gordon... maybe there is some sort of disconnect between him and Rob Penny as well. Maybe that's. Maybe there's more questions about the Waratahs culture. culture Who problems. knows? I think Penny did cite that a lot of the players had taken pay cuts last year. Obviously, during COVID, you know, Dempsey missed out on his Wallaby, Wallabies games last year, which means it's quite a, a chunk of change that he's missing out on yeah, from an international perspective too. So I don't know what the deal is. He's looking at how many years in, in Glasgow, but that's... He's going to be well paid over there, and that might have been the primary factor in him leaving and thinking maybe he can go now a little bit earlier than most guys tend to head overseas mm. and then come back in his late 20s and still have an opportunity perhaps to play for the Wallabies later on. Well, this would set him up to potentially sign a new Super Rugby contract for 2023. Is that the timeline with two seasons in our off-season? potentially coming back at the end of the second season into our sort of like early to mid uh, season competition. 
Yeah, he wouldn't give himself long. Yeah, because he's so probably missed half half the super playing. season, if not all of it. Mm. But I mean, yeah. it's a gamble on his part. It could work out. Absolutely. He's a quality player. We know that. Yeah. If he stays injury free in Europe, he could even improve his game and come back a better player. Which mm. we, I mean, I hope he does um, have success over there. And and we have had a few guys coming back from overseas where they've had, you know, really top form and pulled straight into the Wallabies. Guys like Nick White, um, among others. Like the, it's not a, it's a bit of a surprise for us when it's happened, but maybe it's becoming more common. So we mentioned him uh, potentially having previously been in the run for captain. Um, we talked last week about the Reds captain race and. Toby, you got to give you credit. Um, you were right. Jock has been named as captain of the Reds. It's a fair bit of responsibility on his part, and he'll captain them running out in the first game of Super Rugby AU, Reds versus Waratahs, this Friday night. Yeah, I think huge opportunity for him to show some leadership both on and off the field. And again, we go back to that story. We know how far he's come along since some of his bad boy days in Australian rugby and even trying to leave to go to New Zealand in the off-season, I would have thought might have damaged his chances, but mm. it seems as though Brad Thorne has his, you know, trusts him in the role and it's probably, you know, if anything, that's probably going to show him how much the Reds value him and keep him around at least for as long as they can, um, given his form. And, look, we know he's a senior player now. He's He's got the experience over more than a decade and I think he'll bring a lot to this role. Yeah, he's one of the few guys, 30-plus in that side, who's a real fixture. Um, not a surprise uh, in hindsight, I, I think, as an interim captain. And, and they were, it was reported as an interim captain. Um, he, knows he's, he knows he's only got to carry it um, until Liam Wright comes back, and it's an opportunity for him to you know, step into a slightly different role and you know, hopefully, hopefully he flourishes with that additional responsibility um, hopefully he's not doing the kicking and the fly halfing and the captaining. He might be a very busy boy. I think he will be kicking. They Reds mm. obviously had a bad time kicking last year for a couple of weeks, especially when um, Jock Campbell was sort of in charge of that, had a couple of disappointing displays. So I'm not sure they'd be keen to take him away from the kicking anytime soon. Um how do you see this game playing out? Obviously, we don't have team lists quite yet, but Reds, um, runners-up from last year, Tars, again, we've said it, we keep saying it, a lot of new players, new faces, um, up at Suncorp, it's a Red stronghold. It's going to be tough for the Tars to come and make a statement here. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the Reds don't win this. Um it's you know it's a real tone setter for this for the season. Um, Reds without Liam Wright, but otherwise full strength, really consistent squad. Like the, the minimal turnover, um, they've come out strong at the start of each season and and looked really sharp. Uh, the Waratahs, on the other hand, lots of turnover and and you know compare compare the rising stars for the Wallabies in the Reds versus the lack of star power in the Waratahs, like. Um, the fact that it's a Suncorp as well, I I don't give the Waratahs a lot. I, I think the Waratahs should just, you know, maybe maybe not think too hard that, you know, minute to minute about how the score looks. It's about just embedding 
what they've been working on the off season, not getting flustered, um, practicing execution under score pressure, uh, assuming this game does tilt the Reds way early. Yeah, I think the Waratahs will need to be very physical up front. Um, I think that's something that they've lacked in the last couple of years, particularly with some of the locks they've been fielding, and maybe that will change now with um, some of the new recruits. Um, but yeah, I think the physicality of the Reds is is something that you need to match early on in the game. With the fact that the Waratahs' backline is going to be quite inexperienced in the combinations there. <clears throat> are still to be formed, really. Um, yeah, if you're playing Mulroa in the centres with that's what like I see. Joey I see Walton. Yeah, or, that's the centre pairing. I reckon we'll start. It's it's a far far cry from the quality that the Reds have there with Patea and um, Hunter Paisami, and there's quite a few matchups across the park where the Reds probably will get the better of the Waratahs. It, I'd be fascinated to see Angus Bell coming up against Tupo. Um, I think Taniello had the better of him last year and Mm. obviously they've been in Wallabies camp together for a a fair stretch of time. I think Angus Bell's pretty keen as a fierce competitor to get one back on Taniello. So set piece will be fascinating. Um, But I think just some of the new recruits and the combinations that are yet to be formed with the Waratahs I think probably will hurt them, particularly up in Suncorp. Always a tough place to go and win up there and the Reds, I think, will have plenty of confidence going into this one, and they just know each other so well. They've they've formed a really good squad now that's been together for a few years, and I think that's going to really pay dividends this season. What about the um, destruction of Vunivalu um, being sat out for this week after a bit of an incident um, in Brisbane? I think it's yeah. far from ideal, but yeah. I mean, not much changes really because he he really hasn't played. He might have played in the trial or something, but otherwise, apart from that, it's it's really going back to what they had last year. Yeah, it would be really exciting to see him there for the for what I assume will be a, a good, strong uh, performance by the Reds. Probably probably could have booked at least a try, maybe two, um, and now he's not going to be able to do it. He's going to be um, resting on the bench or suited up in the crowd, probably trying to keep his head down. Um, actually... As exciting as that would have been, and we know the Reds' back line can really switch it on, I reckon this will be more of a forwards game. I reckon there'll be a lot of line-out uh, dominance from the Reds. I reckon they'll try a few moves off the line-out, get some of their forwards running running interesting lines and a bit of misdirection around the line-outs, and then obviously the scrum will be a contest, and I think the Reds will certainly have the Waratahs in that too. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see... Um, the Reds up in the attacking quarter and, and scoring a few phases in offset piece using primarily the forwards. Not to say I don't want to see the backs get out there and throw it around as well, but I just the quality of the forwards and the amount of mobility and ball skills they have to to bring to bear on the Waratahs, I think that's that's they, they're going to get their share of the meat pies. I think there's a few positions in the Reds that are probably yet to be determined, particularly with Vinavalu out that open side wing or blind side wing, whichever one Dalgoon is not on. Um, probably loose head as well. I'm keen to see who starts there. And at number six in Liam Wright's absence. So mm. apart from that, there's there's probably very little ambiguity around who's going to be picked in their positions. Um, whereas with the Waratahs, it's the exact opposite. And um, yeah, Rennie, uh, sorry, not Rennie, 
Dave Penny, uh, Dave, Dave Penny, Rob Penny, yeah, Rob. Um, he was he was saying there's going to be quite a few new faces in this Waratahs lineup, so plenty plenty for us to get to to know as fans, as Waratahs fans, and and hopefully they they start strong. But I don't really see it here. Yeah, I think I'm interested to see what the Waratahs do with that number seven jersey, as I think Leo highlighted last week. Um, there's been a bit more chat about uh, Tizano this week uh, coming on a bit strong for them. So, as Leo said, they're, they're replacing a huge amount of work um, in Hooper, and it's not going to be just down to one man to do that. But they do need someone to be a presence at the breakdown, um, especially with the dominant Reds pack. Uh, if someone can get in there and slow down their ball and maybe get a couple of turnovers in this game, that'll be key to stalling a bit of momentum and someone's going to have to shut down Fraser McWright because he'll be in there pinching ball um, from there from the Waratahs attack mm. so it'd be interesting to see if they do try and essentially um, mark up someone give like assign someone to just to just tracking Fraser McWright and make sure you're there on the clean out when he picks his moment to dive in because mm. I think for some of these guys who are so so specialist at that pilfering it's almost it, it's almost um necessary that you just have to have a guy shadowing and just watching and saying okay well this guy this guy's in this side of the field i need to stay with him i can't necessarily go wherever i want i've got to mark up a bit and make sure i neutralize him early because you just can't let them get their hands on the ball if they get there first and they've got half a second on you it's just all over they're just so strong on the ball it's like pocock used to be need to really not and not physically take them out and and you know just 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 to neutralize them just to make sure that they're not getting that turnover dominance because that could put the waratahs on the back foot regularly in this game you may find that is carlo tizano given he's i think he's a similar build to fraser and he's got that similar mindset he's he's mm. very aggressive at the break, breakdown and still quick across the park but yeah, I think there's less of a headache for the Waratahs back row this week, given Swinton's still out for one more week. So you probably, I'd, I'd guess you're going to see Dempsey, hopefully, if he's fit with Tizano and Will Harris in that back row, which I think is relatively strong. Um, again, it's the Waratahs type five that I think is yet to be determined how strong they're going to be. Um, is it is it just the locks that you're worried about with that? Like, Harry Johnson, Holmes, out. Horton, and um, Bell as the front row. Like, is it just yeah, the okay. is it just the locks that you're more worried about? Because you assume Jack Wenton's going to be um, there and someone else. I'm a little bit more buoyant because of Jack Wenton's inclusion now in that squad. I think that that helps a lot. Mm. Um, he played for the Highlanders quite a bit last year. I think it was. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, I was I was seeing, watching some highlights of the Force, and Sam Wikes was playing for the Force. I think back in two thousand eight. Yeah, so, before he went yeah. to the Sunwolves so for a while, experience. and then he's been. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize he was. Uh, he's been around for that long, but he's still carrying a few. I think either injury or fitness concerns, so he's, he won't front up this mm-hmm. week. So then, it's anyone's guess who's going to be there in the number four spot at that lock position for the Waratahs. Big opportunity for someone. Mm-hmm. Final tip. Reds by 12. Tempted to say yeah. 15, but I'm going to sit on 12. I'm not going to get too excited too early. 
I'll go Reds by 10. I want to see the lineups, but I think it's, yeah, it's going to be about a minimum of 10, I'd say. Yeah, I feel pretty hard-pressed to go against you. I think it could easily blow out to being sort of a 20-point sort of game in the end, but interesting to see. And the game straight after, doubleheader on Friday night, is going to be another really interesting one. Over from Perth, the Force, hosting the returning champions so wooden spooners versus the champions from last year force v brumbies this game could be an absolute cracker like with with the <laughs> as yet undamaged uh imported lineup that the force i guess i expect to field like it who, who knows what's going to happen through the course of these 10 rounds but if the force start losing some of their older statesmen to injuries and niggles that this might be one of the few games where we get to see them at full impact and to be facing the Brumbies on their home turf, like that's it's probably an ideal start to the to the season in in some fashion. If you if you do think that they're going to suffer from lack of depth later on, you want to get this game out of the way. You want to maybe maybe steal a win, um, catch the Brumbies napping a bit. Um, but again, the Brumbies super consistent, uh, not not a, enough turnover for me to be concerned that that's going to be a um, you know, a, a setback for them, a, a, a handicap. Um, I think they will just look to keep it fairly simple, keep it forwards oriented, play their set piece. Like it's going to be more for our Fainga, like last year, I, I say. And um, yeah, just be interesting to see how, I guess, the back line fleshes out. Assuming it's um, Lenny Kitao in in the centres there um, with Ere Simoni, like. I, I still, I just. Can't, they actually I can't brought in put... a gentleman, um, Reese, um, to partner. We, we do think it'll be. <laughs> we do think it'll be Lenny Kitao and Ira Simoni, though, right? I mean, for a guy who's been pulled into the Waratahs camp, and I honestly can't, I can't remember a highlight I've seen of him doing something um, remarkable. Like I remember him two years ago him. coming and having a good game when Kurundrani missed one, but I didn't ever see him as a sort of big body wrecking ball type player. Which... I think he's a different sort of player. He's not as big as Gurundrani. Mm. Um which I mean we we're seeing we've seen this trend a little bit in world rugby having a bigger number twelve and then a, a more mobile and ball playing number thirteen to open up the rest of the back back line and maybe that's more what he's suited to. I don't think by any means he's a small small centre. Mm. But he isn't of the mould of someone like to Vita. Um Iray Simone would be a lot bigger than than Nikitao. Is there any chance think, they swap? No. I don't think so. I think um, Iray Simone is a specialist twelve in my mind, yeah, but you which, never know. Which is one of the few out there that we we yeah, have in Australian right. rugby and he has more ball playing and kicking skills than most twelves out there. So I think it's great to have that in his arsenal to support someone um, and, as young as Noah. Yeah. He, he almost um, needs a chance to shake off sort of that Wallabies debut game, yeah. starting with Noah and what would, would have been a nightmare nightmare sort of debut for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope he does have a strong year coming back um, into Super Rugby and hopefully pushes his name forward again for um, Wallabies squad. I think he will. I think, the, I mean, he, he went through a similar thing with the Waratahs where he, was, he had a lot of big raps on him. And it didn't quite come together. And then he was able to bounce back over the next year or two. And and he's in a position now where he's he's probably 
first or second in the pecking order of 12s. Um, and if he has another strong season, yeah, I think he just needs first some more time. First or second in the, the pecking Wallabies order of 12s of when? Of where? Of Australia? The Wallabies. Yeah, 100%. Not over Paisami. He's not first. First or second. He could easily... Not s- over I would, I would say second or third. <clears throat> and then who's, that's probably... Who's second then? Tamua, probably. Well, well Tamua. Right. Yeah. I mean, but but he was. Like, he was picked there. Yeah, like, literally last the year. selections. Yeah. I, I would say but, he's third, but I'm not necessarily happy about it. I, I think what's critical for him is to keep developing a really mm-hmm. solid combination with Noah, because Noah's the future after someone like O'Connor or Tamua, and that could be, uh, you know, a, a critical part to getting himself in the team if he's... If he's, you know, measuring up okay against the others, well, yeah. that combination factor should know if plays way into a ten jersey, could become That's quite it. a key aspect. It, it will become the Foley Beal sort of selection. You put them together because they work so well together. That's right. Mm. There's not a whole lot of competition there. I guess is is the yeah, bottom line. Yeah, it's definitely an area of deficiency. His form has been, his form has been awesome. In the last one or two years, even I think more recently, last year was excellent throughout the whole season, and I think it's it had a big a big influence on the way the Brumbies played in their backline because he is so dangerous with ball in hand. He can see a lot of opportunities for the players outside him, um, and I think we'll see more of that. We should do because it's going to be impossible, I think, but we should do a force backline. What do we think of force yeah. back lines? I mean, I'm going to have to well, look up the squad. Well, I did I it last was, week. I was, was more I, far-fetched. I was going to ask you guys, do you think the force will tend towards playing their their players that have been there for a bit longer and bringing some of these imports off the bench? Yeah. And so it may be that if they cop some injuries, you'll see a more of a sort of international... I think Cabelli, Cabelli and Miotti will be on the bench. Um, I don't know, I even think... know if Miotti makes the bench first up. Really? Reserve 10? Surely. Do they need a Miotti's reserve 10? Good. You don't generally keep a reserve 10. I mean, Miotti was on the bench for the Jaguars quite often too. At yeah. 20. That's position. I would have him there. I think I think Pryor and Lance have kind of earned their stripes. That's in your the first pick at 9-10? Yep. I think it would yeah. be wrong. Unless, unless clearly they've been outplayed in in the preseason, in the warm up games, and to displace them straight away, I think it's the wrong thing to do. But so, if if they have a couple of poor games, and those changes will be made pretty quickly, though. There's there's probably part of it like as much as the Force are a, this international flavour group, I, there might still be some amount of pressure on them about being let back in that there's got to be you know a, l- a little bit more australian um developed or australian native players in the f- in the front line so again I-, I think it's only right that they start again because they're the incumbents um and the other guys are used as you know a bit of sort of seasoning coming off the bench or as, as coverage un- unless they turn out to be absolutely hopeless which they weren't last year they were they were key pro yeah, when, when they, were they were huge on together week they were to week excellent that's right so, so I reckon the more interesting bit is who gets displaced out of the the incumbents Godwin and Kahui with TK coming in. Um, surely you want to start TK way. against the Brumbies 
like revenge well, game. Right. Like he's been pushed out. Like he's gonna yeah. go hard. So does that? I mean think it's it's a Godwin Kuradrani or I mean Godwin's the long term. Godwin's a longer term prospect. That's right. But Kahui has like he showed some really good gas in that that preseason game as well. An so he's still got it. He's got great defense. So what do you go for? I mean, Godwin offers probably revenge game for Godwin oh. and for Kuranjani. Come on, <laughs> two ex Brumbies players come back to take down. Imagine, imagine if your backs off the bench are Cabelli, Miotti, and Richard Kahui. It's just like ridiculous. <laughs> some of these replacements. Um, well, yeah. Even Carney could be on, be on the bench. bench. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking Carney potentially be on the bench. Maybe Godwin misses out, and you start Kahui with Kurandrani. The old fellas in the center. Yeah, that's a very meaty center pairing. Against and again, remember who they're playing. Like trying to shake up Ikitao. That's it. Does Kurandrani face up against Ikitao? Fascinating game. Yeah. Oh, I think this one will be a ripper. The Reds Waratahs is always a great fiery clash historically. I think I'll be more excited to see these two teams. I think um, I think fight, the schedulers fight. have done the perfect sort of opening round to get people into Super Rugby AU this year. Like There's no one cares about it. <laughs> well, it'd be very hard to, Rebels, to pump up Rebels the Rebels the first boat. off the the bat, but these are the most exciting teams with the longest rivalries yeah, in Reds yeah. and yeah. Queensland, and then most exciting with Brumbies and Force really. And rounding it out, you've got Braki. Pulu, Byron Ralston, I think, will, will make a start. Please, no Bracky. Please, uh, no Bracky. They no, love Bracky. In. They do. So, again, maybe I think Pulu, be... unless he's shown something, it's but I be think Ralston. it's probably Bracky and Ralston. No, they tend to not start Bracky. They start Lacey on the other wing if they go to, from their do last they? years. Bracky yeah. was playing a lot of 13 as well, which won't happen this year, I'd say. No, yeah. Mm. I, I have a feeling he'll be so out of that... the 23. Their normal back three last year was Ralston, Lacey, and then they switched either between McGregor. McGregor. Though then when he went to 10, they had Strahan um, coming in and playing fullback, who also had a good try in the um, trial game as well, who's not a bad player. He's quite a lanky guy. But that's that saying Carney's not there. So Carney, you know, Carney, so many and Brophy, people that like, we want to see how they're going to play. Like, are they going to show that quality? It's a huge game, I think. If the if the force can start well, um, make an impression at, at their home ground, be huge against the the champions from last year. All right. Well, let's let's see what you guys really think. Is anyone willing to tip the force in this at home no. in Perth? No. <laughs> I want be, them. I want them to do it, but I don't though. think the Brumbies are. The Rumbies are all class. Um, I don't think the margin in this the margin in this game, in my eyes, is probably seven to ten points. I don't think it'll be. Oh, I think that's unless a bit things high. get out of hand. I think the Brumbies it'll still be a tight tight win for them, particularly first up. Like traveling mm. to Perth, it's never easy. Um, but they again, they're a group that have played together for a long period of time. These Brumbies. If you there gave me seven points now. on the force. I'd take that. Well, I think that's what the line is currently, so feel free to bet away. Leo? You put I your mean, money where your mouth is. Yeah, it's, it depends to me on how the how the force choose to try and attack the Brumbies because 
limited teams have had success trying to just, I suppose, um, attack them at their attack them at their uh, own game, like disrupt their line out and and mauling play and like really knock their confidence around. Like you, if you're gonna do that, you got to go all in. Do they have the forward pack to do that? Maybe, like because between you know Thrush and Ferguson and Stander and yeah and yeah lots of niggle and so maybe they want to niggle in the forwards and just try and keep them from getting too much forward momentum um and then just you know you, you can get anything out of this back line you've got such a licorice all sorts of skill sets and you know when you've got <laughs> when you've got Richard Kahui putting in like grubbers from outside center and like who knows anything could happen they could have all sorts of barbarian style play coming through Carney and um, and Kahui and, and Lance and these guys. So um, I, I'd say I'd say last year, like they pride themselves on being in the game early. Um, I don't think they were a grubby team. I, I don't think they. I think they'll probably just try and push the Brumbies around and and disrupt what they like doing. Yeah. And if they can just keep them off balance for long enough, they can stay in it. And in which case, I can see it being close. I can see it being seven points. I think that's fair. Um, I guess if they're not successful, destabilizing the, the line out to Maul and Scrum. Like, it's a great Scrum. The Brumby Scrum, you know, particularly look at the quality of the front row and the That's probably where I'm most worried the about row. the like, force. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could really, that could be penalties and just moving up the field and all five. a bit too easy. So, yeah, if, if the force can find a way to to, to counter that, I, I think there's room for this to stay even and just the force like men- mentally strong wanting to stay in this game and containing the the brumbies i think it's seven is probably a fair margin but I'm, I'm definitely not tipping the force see i'd be more likely to tip sort of brumbies by like two or three points and give myself wow. a th- three three point margin of error so there's that slight <laughs> little chance that the force like clinch it margin margin points aren't worth anything arch you want you want the win point. You need to pick the winning team. And you well, want... that's why I said Toby just showed us the odds. It is seven points, so I would be putting my money on the force plus seven. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a having great a look bet. at this. Having a look at this team, like it's just such a contrast to last year with the amount of quality in there, um, particularly from the the Pumas players. I think that's those only four Pumas to come in. But that's because you know some of more of the force players as well, right? Yeah, but before, I mean, with good reason that I should be more bullish around their chances. Like last yeah. year, it was a really ragged When, when they had six international really well, players in, it's quite easy to think they huge. might be a bit better. And yeah, but we thought that a bit about Kahui and he surpassed expectations. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Rob Carney does the same. The four yeah. Pumas are proven players, mostly in their prime. Yeah, exactly. Belly. Cavelli has been obviously it was at the Brumbies for a while. Went back to the Aguaras. Another revenge game. Teams. and Pulu um, revenge. Pulu as well. That's what I mean. Like there is a lot of Jake Jake um, McIntyre back from um, Europe yeah. after playing for the Reds, and then in Europe he's looking to make his comeback into Australian rugby as well. I saw a bit of him in the trial. Um, the parakeet. So yeah, they've got depth in a lot of different positions which wasn't the case last year. And that's mm. why I think they do... They have a, a legitimate chance in this competition because throughout, you know, you need you need that depth. There's going to be injuries. Um, and I think 
they're they're well equipped now to deal with those, whereas they weren't last year. Mm, absolutely. Um, in this game, need to see the lineups. I think that's going to be huge. I think that could easily shift that margin that's currently in place. Um, if they if they name a full strength lineup, I think they'll really put it to the Brumbies. I just think the Brumbies systems they have in place, they've had them in place for a far longer time. Their combinations have been formed. I think that's going to be huge. Mm. I think that'll end up being the difference. Um, but as I said last week, I think the Force are going to really turn some heads and shock people this year and get them paying attention to rugby in Perth again. And those lineups are going to be announced Wednesday evening. Keep uh, eye on our social media accounts because we'll make sure to get them to you as soon as they are put up there. But it's going to be a big weekend of rugby, guys. An absolute blaster starting off in Super Rugby AU. And then it just gets better with Super Rugby Aotearoa starting the week after. It's just going to be a couple of big weeks getting back into the back into the season, guys, back into the fields of rugby. I think as well, keep an eye out. I think we put a post up this week about the MLR. That's starting later on in mid to late March, I think. There's now 12 teams there. Introduction of the new team in LA with a very strong Australian flavour to it. Garen, mm-hmm. Gar- uh, sorry, Darren Coleman over there with Stephen Hoyles in the coaching ranks. Um, you've got Dave Dennis playing for them. You've got... Um, who else is over there? There's... I think there's another Australian. There's a few other players that, that are yet to be introduced, I think. But it's going to be... Billy Meeks. I think quite a... Sorry? Oh, Billy, Billy Meeks, Meeks. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, he's Giltinis. left London Irish to go to the Giltinis. So there's plenty to watch out for um, with the MLR. And they're going to continue to expand... I think this is going to be definitely the best season yet um, for that competition. Hashtag not a sponsor. Don't forget to sort your subscription services out to get your rugby. Oh. Admittedly, I have not done yet, but I need to uh, convert from the previous uh, service. It's not going to have any rugby anymore. So sort that out because Friday night, it's probably not saying you want to be doing five minutes before kickoff. That's free right. trial, I think, for 30 days on Stan Sport. And you've got Campesi and now Checker joining the ranks of the commentary team. Um, so some interesting people that are going to be comment, commenting TBD. on the game. How that goes. Um, maybe too many. It's it's a big team now, actually. Um, and also, I think our tipping will get that going again today. I'll, I'll put something out on social media. Um, we'll be doing it through Superbrew again. It would be great if... You know, we can get as many people involved as possible. Maybe there'll be a prize there if we get enough people on board. Um, and lastly, I think we should just shout out to one of our fans on Instagram, Jackson from Sussex, because I think he's from in the UK. Shot us a message on on uh, Insta, and we appreciate that and the support he's been giving us. And yeah, um, always yeah, nice great. to hear from any listeners, any fans out there. So. Definitely, get involved in that, get involved in the tipping. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, get amongst it and get ready for a big weekend of rugby. The tipping is where you can really impress us if if you can be beating all three of us with the random uh, calls that we make at times. Who who Uh, won that last year? Does anyone uh, remember? I forget. I couldn't see from down the bottom of the ladder wherever I was. It's too bright up the top. Oh, that's right. It was me. It was me. Come on. Come out. <laughs> it's the boys. first time for everything, isn't there, Arch? 
Ooh. Only when you pay attention. It's properly. easy to say that at the start of the season, mate. Much harder to say that at the end. <laughs> All right, we will be back next week with a review of some of these games. We'll delve a bit deeper into those Super Rugby Aotearoa teams uh, before they start off their campaigns as well for 2021. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. We'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run.